Hello and welcome to Posting Up, the Washington Post NBA podcast. I'm your host, Tim Bontemps, National NBA writer for the Washington Post, and I'm very happy to be joined today by one of the guys I've known the longest in the business, um, Brian Mahoney, uh, national NBA writer himself for the Associated Press, and um, most importantly for today's podcast, uh, probably covers Team USA uh, as closely or, or, or more um, more in depth than anybody else in, in our business at the moment. And, um, you know, there was a lot of news about Team USA this week with their player pool being announced, and so it was a good time to get Brian on the podcast. So, Brian, how's it going? I'm good, Tim. How are you? I'm good, man. So, Brian's got your home, you have a couple kids, and, and I guess you're free to do the podcast because your wife is out? <laughs> yes. Uh, my uh, my daughter had a ballet, uh, whatever you call ballet, lesson, practice, whatever whatever it is they do, and uh one of us had to go there, and uh, she she took her there so I could talk to you. So, uh, you know, one of us is going to win that trade. I'm not sure who yet, but I uh, <laughs> freeze me freeze me up to talk hoops with you instead of uh, watching uh, little little girls dance around. Well, I I think you win that, but but we'll see. Um, you do have to talk to me, which most people probably don't want to do. So um <laughs> so with that in mind, you know, obviously. The Team USA announcement this week about the player pool was was kind of the big that and Kobe saying he wasn't going to be part of it were kind of the two big things that happened this week. Um, I, I guess we'll start with I guess we'll start with Kobe um, because that was such a big story over the summer when Jerry Colangelo said that you know sure if Kobe wants to play he can play and he's got a spot. Um, are you surprised given how his season has gone that he made this choice to to uh, remove himself and do, and also, um, do you think that this it was not a coincidence that that decision was made and and made public shortly before the player pool was announced? It probably wasn't. Uh, you know, uh, all these withdrawals have happened through the years. It's almost all because the player talks to Jerry and Jerry says you're not going to make the team, and then uh, gives the player the the option to basically take himself out instead of the you know, being cut or whatever you want to, you want to call it. Uh, I'm not sure if that's what happened with Kobe, but you know, as the season went on, it became really hard to see an avenue for him to get to Rio. I mean, I really want him to be there. I'm sure a lot of other guys did. He's, you know, he's so great to cover at these Olympic events. He's one of the best guys to deal with, but between the injuries and between the fact that so many other guys have earned the right to be there, uh, I just didn't really know if there was a way for him to make this team. And so, you know, I don't know, again, whether he just said the, the injuries are just too bad, I just can't do it, or if Jerry said, listen, I'd prefer to take somebody else and, uh, you know, let's figure out a way to do this, uh, your call. I'm not sure which way it is, but ultimately when he did decide over the weekend not to go, I, I wasn't terribly stunned. Disappointed, but not surprised. And and I understand why you say that you want him to be there. I mean, it would have been a neat story to have him, you know, kind of ride off into the sunset. Uh, in Rio with a third gold medal most likely and and to be part of be part of that group but when you look at the list of guys that are on this list of players this 30 man roster for the that's eventually going to get cut down to 12 um it, it is kind of hard it would have been pretty impossible for them to justify taking Kobe as a ceremonial choice at this point wouldn't it given given the names that they're going to be leaving out as it is it would have been hard because you know the the really the only way they could have done it would have been to say he has, as Jerry always said, Jerry Collins always says, he has equity in the program. He's been with us for a long time. But there's so many guys now who also have equity. Uh, it's hard to say, okay, well, Kobe has more of a right than a lot of other guys who have played a kind of, on a couple teams. So between that, between the fact he didn't go to camp last summer when everyone else did, you know, he didn't, you know, even LeBron made it a point to show up there for one day. Kobe didn't do that. And he had said he wasn't going to play originally. So it just would end. The bottom line is he's not playing as well as a lot of these other guys, mostly because of his health. So it just would have been hard, you know, to do it any other way than just to say it is a ceremonial thing. And uh, I'm not sure he wanted that, and I'm not sure they wanted that. No, and and that, and that was where I came down. I just didn't. I just thought it would have been very unfair, um, especially because he'd gotten a chance to go a couple times as it is to have some guy like, you know, Kawhi Leonard or Jimmy Butler or. James Harden or whoever, some guy that that might not make the team because Kobe is there. Because who knows? Maybe four years from now, that guy won't be able to go. I mean, maybe there is an injury. I mean, you can always say, "Well, a guy's twenty four; he might be fine." Well, look at Derrick Rose, right? Like it's not 
it's not guaranteed that these guys are still going to be in position to go four years later. So I, I just was going to have trouble if it came down to a, you know, hey, let's take Kobe as a, you know, as a fun thing, especially when, as you know, you know, Team USA has always been dogged by a lot of accusations from people that it is kind of just a Nike promotional tour for a lot of reasons. And, you know, Kobe obviously being a massive Nike client, it would have it would have had a taint of and a and it would have reeked of of it being a promotional tour for Nike. And I, I just don't think that would have been fair to Kobe either, given given his contributions to the program over the last decade. And that that was one thing before we transition to the current team, that was one thing I wanted to ask you about. You know, I wrote about Kobe earlier this week and I, I thought it was the right decision for him to pull out for all the reasons we just discussed. But um, you know, people forget, you know, now that there's this deep list of guys who were ready to play and willing to, um, you know, eight, ten years ago, you know, we had finished third in the 2004 Olympics in in Athens, and then we finished third in the World Championships in 2006. Um, how how much did, did Kobe and I would guess probably you would say LeBron, Carmelo, and Chris Paul really change the way that people look at being part of Team USA? Well, they all had a role in that as far as uh, making it a more attractive thing, both within the U.S. and in the international basketball community. But having Kobe uh, certainly helped so much. I know everyone says, nowadays you look at it, yeah, whoever the U.S. puts out there, they're going to win. And that's probably true. But eight years ago, ten years ago, that was not the case. And even that first team, when they assembled this program in 05, 06, and they went to Japan for the World Championships, and they had LeBron and Carmelo and Dwayne Wade and Chris Paul. That was a super team. They were all young, but, you know, they were still, talent-wise, were as good as anyone in the field, and they didn't win. And the next year they got Kobe, and they haven't lost since. And it just, there's something about having this guy who can do everything Kobe does, both on and off the court. You know, there's certainly the player he was back then. And the first year he played, he didn't even really score much. He just went out there and defended and a guy who could – simple things like defending the pick and roll as a guard, which the U.S. didn't do well back then, Kobe did well, and he would play the best player on the other team, the best guard. So him being there changed this program a lot. And, uh, you know, I think maybe they would have won anyway, but you can't say that because they weren't winning anyway. And the fact of the matter is, once he came, they won. Well, and you remember, too, I mean, people forget how great that – especially that first gold medal game with Spain was, and – you remember at the end of that game in in Beijing, it was it was Kobe. Even on that team, that that constellation of stars that that team was, it was Kobe who kind of took control at the end of that game and made sure that they that you know Team USA didn't lose to Spain because that Spain team was a hell of a team and and they were right there with a chance to win the gold medal. And you know I, I think that that's you know I don't think Kobe gets enough credit for that on his list of accomplishments. I mean, he, he, you know, so much about Kobe is, is, you know, is, uh, mythologized and stuff at this point. But I really think that is, that is one of his top achievements is, is kind of making sure that that team, you know, carried through, you know, what it was supposed to do all the way to the finish line. Yeah. That first gold medal game, I mean, Spain was making a heck of a run on them and Kobe hit the biggest shot of the game. Uh, Spain had cut it to, I want to say four points with two and a half minutes left, and Kobe, uh, four-point play, hit the three and got fouled. And, uh, you know, again, maybe the U.S. pulls it out anyway, but he was the guy at that moment who said, I'm taking and making the biggest shot. And at the time, that was still a a young group of U.S. guys, and they needed their veteran there. And uh, certainly Kobe was a guy who early on in the tournament wasn't doing very much, and he kept saying, you know, when they need me, I'll do something. And that's what – you know, Coach K and Jerry Colangelo all said, and sure enough, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, no, and that, that like I said, that was, I mean, I remember sitting at a, a bar at like four in the morning watching that game um, out out on Long Island and just losing my mind. So it was such a great game. And, uh, and yeah, it's one of my favorite moments of his career is that is that game. I, I, I'll, never, uh, I'll never forget it. But let's transition now to the current roster, um, which, you know, as we mentioned, you know, back then, you know, there wasn't necessarily a long list of guys ready to contribute. Now, everybody wants to play for Team USA. It's the cool thing to do. Those guys all have something to say about that or all have a, a part to play in, in making that happen. But, you know, when you look at this 30-man roster, um, before we get to the guys that are on it, who were some of the guys or were there any guys that surprised you that they weren't on it? 
there was no one I was surprised that wasn't on it. Uh, you know, going into last summer, I would have been surprised if Derrick Rose hadn't been on it. But then the fact that he didn't go to camp last summer pretty much made it clear that that this was you know wasn't going to happen for him. Uh, so everyone else that uh, that was on there, there was no one I was surprised wasn't there. I think uh, you know they have so many names now. It'd be hard to it'd be hard to look around and say anyone else should have been there. I don't think. I mean, there's there's other good players in the league, but it's hard to say you need you know there should be more than thirty players on this list. No, I agree. I think though, for a lot of people who don't follow the team like we do, the one name that probably would stand out that isn't there is Damian Lillard. So if you could, um, could you walk people through who maybe don't follow kinds of the ins and outs of Team USA or maybe pay attention to the World Championship years as opposed to the Olympic years? why Damien isn't on the list? Because I think for a lot of people, he probably is the one name that would stand out if they don't know the backstory. Yeah, you know, we were talking about this, Tim, uh, I guess when it happened right after when he, uh, he's probably the the best player that, uh, that's been cut in this program. Again, as I said earlier, some guys have withdrawn when they probably were going to be cut, but he's probably the best player who has actually been axed from the team and that was in 2014 and uh, before the world cup of basketball and basically they wanted to make sure derrick rose could play they wanted you know derrick rose wanted to play the bulls wanted rose to play usa basketball it was just time for him to get out there if he could do it and he played just well enough during uh you know, that summer to to make the roster and then once that happened then they wanted to take an extra big, uh, knowing they could possibly play Spain with the Gasols and with Sergi Baca. So uh, they kept Andre Drummond. And basically they kept Andre Drummond over and Derek Rose over Damian Lillard. Well, and, and you're, uh, forgetting, you're forgetting one very important name in, in part of that and who they kept, if, it, which is Mason Plumlee, um, a former Duke player. And I would think, you know, now, ironically, Damian's teammate in Portland. And while I covered Mason with the Nets and like him a lot, I don't think anyone would think that Mason is on the same level as those other three guys, and he made the team. He's not, but at the time, a lot of people thought that his spot was safer. At one point in the summer, which I didn't actually believe, but other people did, his spot was considered safer than DeMarcus Cousins. No, I remember that. I remember. And that. then Drummond was the guy who, Drummond was the one guy who even Jerry Colangelo kind of made a point of saying, this is the guy who we, we need to kind of take a look at and make sure of. So a lot of people looked at him as the last guy who made the team in 2014, even though, yes, he was probably better than Plumlee, certainly is now, but Plumlee was one of those who everyone thought by then was going to make the team. No, and I agree. I just think from Damian's standpoint, I think when he looked around, I have a feeling when when you look at the fact that Damian's an Adidas guy, you look at the fact that there's a Duke guy that's being kept on the team, you know, Damian reacted pretty aggressively when he got cut and i i wouldn't be surprised if that was a big reason why and i could have said his feelings there and i'm sure he looked at it now and said you know why do i want to continue there's you know first of all that's the deepest spot on the team there's going to be you know all-star level point guards who might have trouble making this this squad and then yeah as we as you mentioned earlier it's always been the kind of underlying hidden theme here the whole sneaker situation you know if you're an adidas guy I know Gilbert Arenas uh, felt that way when he was, you know, cut way back when that, you know, Nike guys get the ultimate right. And, uh, you know, Jerry Colangelo said that's not the case, but I'm sure a guy like Damian Little feels that way. Yeah, no, totally. So, all right, well, enough about guys who aren't on the team or who are retiring from the team. Let, let's get to this roster itself, which is, which is like you said before, just loaded with players. So, um, I guess let's just kind of go through position by position because th- I think that's probably um, – the best way to do it and and i think because we were just talking about damien you know i think the the right place to start is at is at point guard which like you said is just unbelievable right now i mean it, it's maybe the deepest the position's ever been in the history of the league and you look at this team right now i've got the roster up and in alphabetical order you got mike conley you got kyrie irving you've got chris paul you got john wall you got russell westbrook and I feel like I'm – oh, and Stephen Curry, of course, who I, I skipped over in the middle. Right, only the MVP of the only league. Only the MVP of the league, right. <laughs> so so six – you have six point guards on the roster, you know, five, you know, surefire all-stars, and then, um, you know, Conley is an all-star player, whether he's made the team before or not. Um, you know, he, he's probably – he's one of the best players in the league to not have made the all-star game. So um, how many of those guys do you think have a realistic chance to make make this 12-man team? 
You know, I, I think I think four of them uh, for sure. I mean, I think I think Steph is uh, Steph is a lock. Uh, I think Westbrook is a lock. And this all assumes, by the way, these guys actually all want to play. I think we do have to assume that you know everyone who is on the list now wants to play. You know, when we pick them, uh, but I think uh, Irving and uh, Westbrook and Paul. And Curry. And then, you know, looking at that, as much as I like Mike Conley, who we were just talking about, and then John Wall's going to be an all-star, but, you know, you can't keep six point guards. So I think, you know, those other four guys have all been part of USA Basketball before and played very well before and, uh, you know, will earn their right back to go back if they want to. Now, here's the thing, though, and I, I was having a conversation with a bunch of writers about this in Cleveland um, over the weekend. If you're going to have a 12-man team, and I know the the game is going smaller. When you look at some of the other positions on this roster, can you really keep four point guards? Well, you can if you know that your style is better than anyone else's, and if you play your way, you're going to win. And I think they feel that way. And if the guys are versatile enough to play the two, uh, you know, two years ago at the Worlds, uh, you know, Stephen Curry was the starting two guard. Uh, they played him in the backcourt with Irving. Uh, they can certainly play. Westbrook and one of those guys uh, when they want to. So as much as I'm sure, ideally, having you know, one-third of your roster with one position is not the ideal maybe, but I think the style they play and the versatility that these guys have, I think they can do it, and I, I think they will do it. Yeah, I mean, I would, tend to think, I would tend to think that they probably should only take three of those guys when you look at some of the other spots. But again, you know, Irving is a guy that has some pretty deep ties with Mike Krzyzewski. And, you know, all four of those guys, like you said, have some equity in the program. And, you know, assuming they all want to play, I'm sure it's going to be difficult for them to to keep any of them from, from going. So with that being said, um, you know, I know I just said that the point guard position is loaded. I mean, this whole roster is loaded, but... Um, you know, on the wings, there you've just got a, you've got another just ton of guys. Whether it's Carmelo and LeBron and Kevin Durant and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and Jimmy Butler um, and Andre Iguodala, who's played on this team before, James Harden was runner for the MVP last year, uh, Rudy Gay, Demar Derozan. I mean, it's just a ton of guys. Um, what of all, of all those guys? You know, how many of them? You know what? What do you think the composition of the of the roster could look like from from that group, and how many of them do you think can actually get on the team? You know, uh, it's funny. I was sitting here trying to make my own list, and you know, I've got like seventeen names for twelve spots, and uh, which I'm sure they kind of do right now. I think ultimately, after they decide on the point guards, I think then they kind of have to go to the centers and see how many they want to keep. All right. Well, let's get and back to they... that. Let's get back to that, and then we'll come back to the wings because I I wouldn't yeah. disagree with that. So the center, the the guys that I think you can call true centers on the team are DeMarcus Cousins, Anthony Davis, Andre Drummond, Dwight Howard, and DeAndre Jordan. So of those five guys, and I guess we should probably just go do bigs. So I guess if you do bigs, that also includes LaMarcus Aldridge, uh, Blake Griffin, and Kevin Love. I guess that's eight guys. Those are the eight really true big. And I, yeah, and I guess Draymond Green too. So th- those are the nine guys that I think you would consider – you know, not these like hybrid wings, but true power forwards or centers on the roster. So, so looking at them, you know, like you, you know, if you want to look at that spot, how do you, wh- how, you know, what is, what do you think their, their decision is going to come down to? Yeah, you know, I think it's a little bit now. They, they certainly went differently than the last time they played in 2014 when they kept, multi, I think they kept four centers there uh, when they had uh, Cousins, Drummond, Plumley, uh, and normally, I mean, in the Olympics, and Davis too, Olympics, right? And right, and Davis, uh, and uh, you know, all two years earlier in the Olympics, they only really had one center in Tyson Chandler. Uh, they were fine going small. Well, they had Davis. So, they had Davis on that team also, didn't they? Davis is on that team, I and mean, people don't necessarily. Some people don't consider him a center. I mean, I internationally, he certainly can be. Right. But as far as the uh, you know, quote true, unquote, right, true center, the, yeah. Right. Uh, it was just Tice. And so on this team here, it'll be interesting, you know, how many bigs they want to go with. Uh, you know, if they, you know, certainly you would want to put Cousins, Howard, uh, right there to think if they want a spot, that would be two. Uh, you know, if you kept Drummond two years ago and watch how much better he's become now, 
then obviously, you know, you would think maybe he's got a shot too. Uh, and then, but then if you look at what they've done previously and just have, uh, you know, the fours play center for the most part, then you could maybe take a Blake Griffin instead, not worry about it, or a Kevin Love, you know, and take one less center. So I'm interested to see how they map out this team because, like I say, they totally changed two years ago what they had done previously for the first five or six years. And uh, I don't know if they'll go back or not. Obviously, the Gasols are still there. Uh, you know, if France makes it and you want to have a, you know, a guy against Rudy Gobert, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think you need as many centers there as you do against Spain or anyone else, but it's just interesting. They've always kind of neglected that spot to go with more wings and they changed it up last time. So I'll be interested to see if they change back or if they keep the way they went last time they played. Well, and, and I mean, you've got, you've got a lot of star players there at those big spots too. I mean, those are nine guys that are, that are all all all-star caliber players. And, um, you know, I'm not, I've gone back and forth on it. Like I, I don't see any way that Deandre makes the team. Um, but uh, outside of that, and like, I don't think LaMarcus will make the team, but I I think if you look at those other seven guys and Kevin Love on recent form, probably, probably should not, but, Something that uh, a friend of ours, Jeff Zilgit from USA Today, brought up um, a couple of years ago. The new face of Team USA was was a combination of Kevin Love and Kevin Durant. I don't remember exactly when they brought them out, but you know they kind of unveiled those guys as you know the future faces of the program. So you know it it might be tough for them to say you know thanks but no thanks to Kevin Love if he you know shows up this summer and and you know is ready and willing to play. Um, but you, you kind of, in, in going around and uh, around that question, we didn't really kind of nail down how many spots we think those guys are going to get. So, um, you know, the way, the way you, given, given the fact that we don't know exactly how things will play out of all those big guys, how many of them do we think make the team? I think I would say there'll be two, you know, definite centers. Uh, and, and, you know, I'd say it comes down to two out of three between Howard Cousins and Drummond, and then probably make sure to have a couple of, you know, fours who could play the five, uh, which I know they consider Blake Griffin that kind of guy. We know they consider Davis that kind of guy. And maybe one other person, maybe it's Kevin Love. I think between that, I think they feel like their big man rotation would be totally set. But you just put six big guys on the team, didn't you? Wow. Uh, yeah, and that would, uh, that would mean, that guards. would mean, that's right. Hard. That, that's already making the math kind of hard. That leaves that's <laughs> that leaves two wing spots. That that doesn't sound like it works, does no, it? So does, that's it a, does not. That's the trouble. That's the trouble trying to put this thing together here. It's a lot of names. Well, let, let's let's get back to that in a second. I want to I want to look at these wings. So, um, let's let's just assume that LeBron is going to play and wants to play. I think I mean he it would be a chance for him and Carmelo Anthony both to play on four Olympic teams. No one's ever done that. I think you agree both of them will get the option to do that if they want to, and if they want to, they'll play, assuming health, right? I think so, yes. So those two guys are going to make the team, I think, for sure. And we both know that Paul George is making the team, assuming he's healthy after he broke his leg a couple years ago. Uh, the, the whole program has basically said he's going to make the team, and he's been one of the best players in the league um, this season. Uh, looks completely back to normal. So I think, you know, I think it's safe to say that's a lock too, right? Yeah, I think Paul George, I think the best thing that's happened for, for them this summer, uh, uh, this fall, I'll say, is how well he's played. Because I know, you know, Jerry Colangelo had, had said he gets a spot in 2016, but it, it would have been difficult to give him that spot just because he got hurt. Uh, you know, the fact he's playing well as well as he is now, it's very clear he deserves a spot on his own merit. And I think that makes it easier for them to give him one. And I do, I do think he's in that lock category now when you combine both things, the fact that you know, he did get hurt, and he's fact he's playing so well now. I would definitely say he's on the twelve. Right. So, so we're we're in total agreement on that. So, um, at that point, you've got those three guys who are going to make the team. I think that's safe to say. I think from the point guards, I, I think I think Kyrie has the best chance of those guys to not make the team if they all want to play. I think I agree with you that I think they all will. Um, but I I think that. I think that Paul Curry and Westbrook all are, if they're healthy, I don't think there's any way that they don't make the team. So if we say that, then you're up to six guys. I think Anthony Davis is definitely going to make the team. 
um, given he's you know kind of become the face of the program moving forward. And Kevin Durant is going to make the team, who we haven't even mentioned yet. And I just looked at the list. They actually list Kevin Durant as a guard on this team, which is funny. Um, <laughs> since and 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 at six nine, since I, both of those I think are not true. But um, so so with, with Durant and Davis, you're at eight guys already on the team. I think barring injury, that are all going to make it. So we're really talking about four spots. And one of those likely, I think, goes to Kyrie, even though I think that might be a tough call given the amount of wings and bigs that they have. So what, let's go through the wings first. Of, of the, the wing players, whether it's Jimmy Butler, Kawhi Leonard, James Harden, you know, I guess I'll throw Gordon Hayward in there, but I don't think he's really got a chance. Um, Clay Thompson. I certainly is in that group. He was really good on the World Championship team. He's a dynamite shooter. Andre Iguodala has been a, a big part of the program. Um, of all those guys, you know, how do you think their candidacies shake out in terms of, you know, of them who has the best chances of making the team? So they all have such good cases. Uh, you know, Harden, I think people, uh, a lot of people have started to look at him as maybe a guy who could be cut. You know, I think there's a loyalty to him too. He's probably the best guy who didn't drop out two years ago. You know, when we know when Kevin Love dropped out because of contract, and, and Kevin Durant dropped out because he just didn't want to play anymore. Harden was really the leader of that team when they went and won the gold medal in Spain. And That's I think him and Curry, right? And I think it's hard if, if James Harden wants to play to then say he's not going to make it when you look at the fact that he stuck it out with them and uh, you know was won them some big games. How well he played, so. Uh, I would like his chances, uh, and then you look at, you know, I think if you look at Thompson and Iguodala, uh, as you said uh, just now, Tim, uh, you know, Thompson played very, very well for that team. He's the kind of guy who they always like to have one of, a great shooter who doesn't need to do a lot else and is a very good defensive player. Uh, but Iguodala's the same kind of player, I mean, not the same kind of shooter, maybe a better defender, maybe more versatile. So it's almost like those two guys might be going against each other, I think, in some regards. Uh, two guys they'd love to have. I'm just not sure they have room for both of them. And, uh, you know, maybe, you know, maybe this could be one of those situations where it plays out in their favor uh, for, for decision makers, where maybe Golden State gets back to the finals and maybe one of those guys wants a summer off. Uh, you know, who knows? But uh, certainly something like that maybe could happen. But otherwise, when you look at decisions, yeah, that right there. And as you mentioned, Kawhi, you know, is, is an interesting case. He's a guy who has said no a couple times, and you'd want to say, all right, well, it's easy to then drop him because he doesn't have the, the equity they talk about. But he's become, like, you know, one of the top five players in the league. So if he wants to play, it's hard to turn him down based on his talent. So that's, you know, again, why this all becomes so hard to figure out a little bit. There's, there's more than making a choice than just picking the 12 best players. There's the 12 best players plus the guy who's uh, loyal to the program and all the other stuff you're talking about. So, so of all those guys, you know, if we, if we agree that, that there's, there's eight locks, um, LeBron, Carmelo, Durant, Paul George, Anthony Davis, and then Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, Steph Curry, and right. you know, and I have Kyrie, and, and I have Kyrie. A lot of people have Kyrie. Probably one of the only guys who no, does. No, no, but no, I, no. I, I actually would disagree with you in that. I think just about everybody does. I've been a little more hesitant about it just because I see how much depth there is at the other spots. But um, when I was out to dinner with some writers over the weekend, everybody agreed with you that he's a lock. So let's just make him a lock for argument's sake. So there's nine guys who are on the team. So You've got one true big, you've got four point guards, and you've got four wings, so or four hybrid guys. So, of these wing, of those final three spots, how many do you think go to bigs, and how many do you think go to wings? Yeah. So if I'm looking at if I'm looking at nine, you're right. And earlier I said two centers, so that that wouldn't work. Then you'd only have one spot left, and I don't see how that math works out. Now that I think about it, so. You know, maybe only one true center here. Uh, you know, assuming these nine, assuming the nine locks are all on the team, I think probably they'd have to only go 
one true center and then uh, two wing spots. And, uh, you know, one of them hopefully is a guy who could, you know, as Carmelo and LeBron both have, uh, you know, even have played some five on that team. And if, you know, if they do that, they'd be okay with only one center, I guess. That's what they've always felt that way, and I'm sure they could do it again. Well, the guy and the guy that I think has a real shot to make the team, even though he doesn't have – he hasn't necessarily had the equity in it, is Draymond Green from the Warriors. Because Draymond, to me, is kind of the prototypical big guy for them, right? He can guard every spot. He can handle the ball. He – um, you know, he can even bring the ball up and almost be a point guard for them. And he can guard bigger guys. I mean, he's proven, even though he's an undersized guy, um, that he can that he can guard pretty much anybody, no matter how big they are. And he can shoot. Um, so he, he can give you that three-point element that, you know, maybe some of these other guys can't. Um, so, and I, and I do think, too, something that probably has to be factored in is when you're looking at, a, a, a talent pool that's this deep, you're going to have guys at the end of the bench. You know, not only are you going to have guys not make the team, um, which, you know, creates its own set of issues down the road, you're also going to have guys at the end of the bench who aren't going to play very much. And I think you have to factor in, you know, are there going to be issues with chemistry um, if there's guys who are getting the opportunity to make the team but then not play? Um, so, you know, specifically, you know, a guy like DeMarcus Cousins, who, you know, as you know, there were some questions about him in four, in 2014 about his temperament and whether Team USA was going to want to have him come to Spain with them. You know, there, like you said, there were there was talk for a while that Mason Paul made a better chance to make the team than him. Um, but do you think that a guy like DeMarcus could maybe be could maybe find himself on the wrong side of the bubble given the number of spots that are going to be in play here because there might be some current concerns about how he would handle not playing much or at all for most of the tournament I mean you would you would think you know if he doesn't make it that's kind of probably what would work against him uh you know they would certainly have to think about whether you know in any case his personality might cause problems whether it's on the court losing his temper or whether it's the mixture, I, you know, I think, I think he showed himself pretty well overall. I mean, I, I always had concerns about him uh, going into this, but I thought I thought he handled himself pretty well in 2014. I think he showed that that he would be okay with that. You know, uh, you know, would he want to be the guy who plays almost never? I don't think so. But I don't think he needs to feel like he needs starters minutes either. I think he could fit in to some regard. It's just a matter of to me whether or not they can afford the, you know, whether he stands out as the best center. Uh, if they only take one, and uh, you know, I think probably he does, but I don't know if that's a necessarily guarantee either. Right. So, all right. So let's let's try to let's try to nail you down on these final three spots. So, um, I, I guess if let let's start with uh, you know, let's just walk through it. So, so what is the final verdict? Do you think on on how those positions get divided up? So we've got four point guards. We've got Paul George, Carmelo, LeBron and Durant as the kind of wing hybrid guys. And then we've got Anthony Davis as a big. So of those final three spots, obviously we're not, you know, guys like John Wall aren't making the team. So, you know, it's just dividing those those three spots between wings and bigs. How do you think it gets broken down? I, you know what? I think I would then do what – I think I would take one center and be a Cousins or Howard, and then I would take a Blake Griffin who could probably play both spots, who could play forward – or center, and that leaves me with you know a definite wing spot, and then I could go, be it Harden or Iguodala or Clay Thompson. So who are you? So who are you going to take at center? And that you means know, no. And that means no. I want to take a little more time to make sure on Dwight's health on that because if Dwight is healthy, then I think it's a real hard call uh, whether it's him or Cousins. Let's I think say right let's now, say, let's say that he's healthy. Let's just let's assume everybody on the roster is healthy and available. In July, obviously this can change between then, but let's just let's just pretend for fun since that's what we're doing. Let's say everybody's healthy. There's no con- there's no contractual problems. Everybody's ready to go. Who who are you picking to play center along with Davis as a true big on the team? Then I would lean Dwight Howard if he's totally healthy and totally wants to play. I would go in that direction okay. as their center. So then and then so you're so so you're not taking Drummond. You're not taking Cousins. Then. 
you're you're taking Blake as as the other big over Draymond and Kevin Love and and those guys. You think Blake would get you think Blake would get the edge there? I I am, and uh, you know I know that's probably one that's going to have people shaking their heads. It's a couple reasons. I you know he made the team in 2012 and then got hurt. And I think they feel kind of bad for him there. Uh, and then he got hurt in 2014. He was going to be on the team, had to pull out uh, with his back. Yeah, he's had a lot of and bad then, luck you know, with trying it, to get on the team in the past. Right. And it was a small little thing last year, but I think it meant something to them where, you know, when they had camp in the summer and then they went and had the USA Showcase game and nobody wanted to play. And they ended up having to bring in like four or five guys who weren't even in camp just to play in the game. Guys, I think Oladipo and, and Peyton and a couple other guys. And Blake Griffin played that night, and he played the whole night, and he was by far the best player who did it. And I think that kind of meant something to them. So when it comes time to make these cuts, I just think he's earned a lot in their eyes, and uh, they feel like it would be his time. And that's why I'm putting him there when maybe some other people wouldn't. No, and that makes sense. And that's why I wanted that's why I wanted you to talk about it because you, like I said, you've covered this team as closely as anybody, and you have a good handle on that stuff. And I don't, I do think you're right. I think a lot of times people forget, and I admit I forgot when I first started going through the names. You go, you forget about you know guys that have shown commitment to the program in the past, and guys that have you know have said no, or guys that have shown up and done stuff and done things like playing in the showcase game like Blake did. Um, because, you know, for Jerry Colangelo, that stuff matters. And, you know, frankly, you look at this list, like you said earlier, we could take probably any combination of 12 guys on this list to Rio and win the gold medal without probably too much trouble at this point. So if you're going to choose who to take, it's going to be based on some circumstantial uh, decisions and some, you know, uh, some 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 qualifications that are that are outside of you know just how good the player is right now because you it almost is irrelevant at this point um so all right so so you you've got Blake on the team you've got Dwight on the team so who is your final wing among let's see it's it's Andre Godala Clay Thompson um Jimmy Butler James Harden um I'm trying to see if there's anybody else that that likely would be there. That's it's probably oh and Kawhi. I don't know if it's a Kawhi. So yeah, it's 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 Clay Thompson, Kawhi Leonard, Andre Godala, James Harden, and Jimmy Butler. A pretty insane list of wings. Four all stars and Iguodala, who's, you know, probably the best six man in the league. Um and is a has a lot of experience with Team USA at this point. Um for one spot, which I guess sums up how crazy deep this team is. And frankly why I do wonder if a guy like Kyrie might not make it, even though I I do agree that I think he will, just given he is small and isn't much of a defender. Um, and there are so many wings that are good. Um, but with that, with all being said, and with the composition of the roster you put together, you know how do you how do you see that final spot going? Do you see it going to Harden, like you kind of alluded to before? Or do you think somebody else gets it? Yeah, you know I'm I'll stick with Harden, and uh, knowing that this one is. You know, again, four guys who every single one of them I can make a very good case for, and I, I'll stick with, I'll stick with him. You know, I think they have playing with them twice, and especially sticking with them a couple of years ago, and how well he played for them. Uh, I will, you know, I'll go with him. But you know, I hate the fact that he's not considering a couple of these other guys who certainly, you know, I think we don't even mention a guy like Rudy Gay who's played a couple of times, and or Demar Derozan, or, or Demar Derozan, Hayward, same thing. Who's, a lot of guys, uh, you know who has that versatility they like, who can play both forward spots, and even in a pinch can play some five. And uh, so they've, they've shown they can do that. But, you know, if I had to just pick one name, I will, uh, I'll go hard and knowing full well that, uh, you know, people might be laughing at me come uh, end of June when, uh, when it's a totally different team. Well, yeah, I mean, look, I don't think there's any – there's no way to laugh at anybody with this list, I mean, especially since it's this far ahead. But it is kind of an interesting thought exercise because, you know, you do – you do forget that you know this isn't just picking names uh, for a fantasy team. You know there are other there are other factors involved, and you know we we talked at the beginning about what happened with Damian Lillard when he didn't make the team, and it was kind of a you know a public uh, there was kind of a public issue when he you know and, and even during that camp that summer when John Wall got cut there was some issues when Damian got cut there were issues. Um, do you think that is partially or or largely why? Um, they've decided not to have a camp this year and to just name 12 guys to avoid situations like that cropping up? Yeah, probably. Uh, you know, they don't like having to, 
the players don't like having to be cut, and uh, they certainly the, their endorsers don't like it. And I don't think uh, Coach K and Jerry like having to do it. Uh, you know, what's interesting is I bet probably a couple players, I don't know if they would ever say it, would probably rather they had a tryout and they, who feel they could beat out somebody. You know, I'm sure one of these wing guys who might get squeezed or, you know, John Wall, I'm sure if you asked him, feels like if he got a shot over three days, could outplay uh, Kyrie Irving or outplay somebody else. And he may never get the chance. He won't get the chance. Uh, so uh, I see why they do it. But, yes, it hasn't, it hasn't worked out well when they need to actually make, make cuts. Uh, you know, it, it's, they got lucky in 2012 because then once they did it, Blake Griffin got hurt, so it opened up a spot anyway. But uh, certainly with Lillard, it didn't work out. With uh, Going way, way back to the first team with uh, Gilbert Arenas and Bruce Bowen, it didn't work out. Uh, they were lingering bad feelings, so it's just it's easier for them if they don't have to do it, and that's why they ultimately are not going to do it. Right, and and kind of the last thing I wanted to touch on with you about this was, um, you look at the way this team has evolved, and, and this goes back all the way to the beginning when we talked about the impact that Kobe and LeBron and Carmelo and Chris Paul and and Dwayne Wade at the beginning had in in making this a cool thing to do again. Right, and so now you have this roster that's chock full of all-star players, and um, you know has got you know just an unbelievable wealth of talent for these guys to try to choose between. That being said, now that we're getting to a point where you're going to be leaving, you know, probably a team that would finish second in the tournament, or maybe win the tournament from the guys that are on the that are not making the team um, back home um, when you take the twelve guys to Rio. Do you wonder if we're going to get to a point where guys will start to, you know, maybe more guys will do what Damian Lillard did and kind of say, you know what, for whatever reason, whether it's a shoe thing or they just are slighted or whatever, I'm not bothering with this anymore. You know, there's these certain guys that have preferential treatment and I, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to deal with putting myself through this and being embarrassed when I don't make the team. Um, and do you think there is do you think there is any kind of a a potential for a backlash that way or a or a or a change in mindset for these guys? Do you think the way that Team USA has kind of set this up, do you think they've kind of managed to um, to do it in a way where they're not going to have to worry about that kind of thing happening? I think it would always be a small number. Uh, you know, I'm sure there were some guys who say, I'm not interested, that's not for me, and maybe they, they were burned before, or they feel like they wouldn't get a fair shake. I, I think they understand that that, you know, certainly could happen. But I think more often than not, it's, it, first of all, it's a chance to hang around guys and play at a, at a pretty low, uh, you know, you're not exerting yourself terribly much. You know there's guys you can work out with who you don't going to, you know, you're not going to find at any street corner. And, uh, you know, most importantly, I think when you start talking about the Olympic experience where you can really, uh, you know, you see all the good news type stories and, uh, you know, the big marketing campaign that goes into it, it really helps your reputation off the floor. And uh, it certainly, I think, to me, helped. I think it helped LeBron in a major way after when he left to go to Miami and his reputation took the big hit. Uh, you know, I think obviously the playing the Olympics again in 2012 certainly helped there. Uh, I think it's part of the reason Dwight Howard wants back in because I think it could help, you know, repair his reputation uh, to, to be wearing the red, white, and blue again and being seen, uh, you know, by all kinds of kids on TV in the summertime. So I think there's just too many, too many pluses to not, uh, you know, to that's why you got to do it if you have the opportunity. I think most guys look at it that way, them and their agents. No, I totally agree. I mean, you know, and that's why, you know, that's why, you know, there's a reason that people think that Nike runs the team, right? I mean, it's a it's a gigantic promotional vehicle. I mean, that's what the Olympics are more than anything else. It's a giant sponsorship party. And, you know, you've been there for it. You've seen it. I mean, you know, these guys go there and they're in foreign markets. I mean, Brazil, you know, is an emerging market. There's a ton of basketball interest there. You know, been some, you know they've got a pretty good national team. Um, several guys who are either in the NBA or have played in it before. Um, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense that guys would, would want to go. Um, the, to, to transition a little bit into the future with this, uh, before I let you go, um, was there any doubt, you know, assuming that, you know, once they, you know, obviously Greg Popovich being named team USA coach, I think to a lot of outside people wasn't, um, might've, you know, might've said, well, that makes a lot of sense, but there was, you know, I, I think, you know, pretty well, there was some longstanding issues between him and Jerry Colangelo. Um, you know, once those were, 
put to rest. Was there any doubt that he was the right guy to take over for Shashevsky after after these Olympics? <laughs> I probably should admit this, but I was I was shocked that it was Pop uh, because I remember you know how bad the feelings were, um, and I just wasn't sure they'd ever get get past that. Uh, you know, you, you watch how how tight Colangelo and, and Coach K seem to be, and it just it seems natural. But I didn't think that would ever happen. You know, I remember uh, asking Pop about it way back when, and. I mean, I would say you don't cover the NBA until Pop yells at you, but that was the worst he ever yelled at me. And you could tell it was because he thought I was going with Jerry's side of the story and not his about why he didn't want the job the first place. So, and can you and Brian? Uh, I don't mean to cut you off because I, I knew you were going to tell that uh, that anecdote. Can you just walk people through briefly on what happened there, just so people know? Because I'm not sure a lot of people even know at this point. Oh yeah, no, you're right. It's true. It's been a long time. Well, when you know when when uh, when Jerry Colangelo picked Coach K to coach the team in oh five oh six, he he always said his other choice was was Pop, and he said when he talked to Pop, I didn't feel the same passion that I got from from Coach K, and uh, so basically he just felt like his response was Coach K wanted the job more. And when it was presented to Pop that way, apparently they'd only had one conversation. And the way Pop remembers it, he basically said, I'd be honored, and that was it. And they never talked about it again. And so he felt like Jerry was saying he didn't want the job, and that was not how he felt about it at all. So when I basically asked him, how come you didn't want the job, he flipped out. And uh, rightfully so, if you you know love your country and everything like like Pop does. Well, and he has, basically see, right, <laughs> and right well, for a lot of people that don't know this, too, he was in the military just like Mike Krzyzewski was. Pop, you know, Greg Popovich went to the Air Force uh, Academy and, and was in the Air Force. So... Um, you know, it, it obviously if if you know when when it was presented to him um, that he didn't want the job of representing his country, you could see why that was an affront to him. But you know, one you know, I, and I I didn't I wasn't trying to put you on the spot of saying you were shocked. I mean, a lot of people were shocked when he got announced as the guy. But um, what like I I guess what I meant to say was, if you had known that those issues had been put behind them, was there another candidate that even made sense behind besides him? I don't know. I don't think so anymore. I, you know, I, I thought a couple of years ago, if they, if they stayed in college, I thought they might've looked at a Tom Izzo or a, or a Bill Self guy, maybe, but you're right. Uh, he's the best coach and he, you know, from the military background, uh, he's the guy who made the most sense. Uh, as far as the guy, they picked the right guy. I just was, uh, wasn't sure they would actually pick the right guy. And uh, I'm glad they did. I think probably phenomenal in this role. I think he's looking forward to it. Uh, you know, and it's going to be a lot of changes in a couple of years, the way the, the FIBA calendar sets up and everything. And it's, uh, you know, it's going to be a bit of a, you know, a navigation for everyone involved. And I think they feel in good hands with him being uh, there to oversee it. Well, and he's such a worldly guy, too. I mean, I think it'll be, you know, for guys like us who are get to cover that team, I have a feeling he'll be a lot different around that team than he will be, than he is with the Spurs. Because I just think he, you know, is a guy who is just so into the world and, and and all different aspects of life and you know cultures all over the place i I just think he's really going to adapt to it and you know i I do i want to end with this um you know obviously greg you know popovich is up there in age i think he's in his late 60s um you know i think you know maybe he does it for a couple cycles but there's just as good a chance he does this for four years and says you know what you know it's 2020 and i'm wrapping up with the spurs after a couple more titles probably and you know, I've had enough. So, you know, with that in mind, I'm curious who you think would be, you know, kind of next in line for that job. And more importantly, you know, Jerry Colangelo, I know he did just take over the Sixers as the chairman of basketball operations, but, you know, he is in his late 70s. And I think if he's, you know, he said he's going to stay out through 2020, which would, I think, get him to 80. So, you know, Jerry's, I mean, you know Jerry well. He's certainly a guy that always is probably going to want to work, but... You know, at some point, you would think his time with this program is going to end, and I'm I'm more I'm even more curious that with who you think might be the next coach is who do you think would be the right kind of person to take that job as being in charge of the national team program? That's a heck of a question. Uh, I don't know who you know. Everyone else who I think would be good at this job is also kind of in the same age group as as, as Jerry, and I'm not sure would want to take over and. In 2020, uh, you know they have they have guys who have kind of been around the program who are doing certain roles, but nothing to the level that he is. So, 
That's a very it's a very good question, and I honestly don't have a good guess who will follow him. Uh, you know, maybe in a couple of years he'll start to kind of hint at who he thinks would be in line for the job. Uh, but at this point in time, he's just been so good at it, and he's kind of done so much with it that you know it's hard to pick. You know, again, I think there's some guys who I think would be very good at it, but again, I don't think they'd want to take over. You know, five six years from now, right? No, and he he's a guy that'll want to work for for you know he'll probably just do it for another 15 years anyway i mean assuming he's healthy i mean he's you know you know him he's not a guy that wants to take a break anyway um so i mean i could certainly see him sticking around who do you before we go who do you who do you think is is a is a likely guy to maybe succeed pop you know in four years or even in eight if um you know is there is there a more likely candidate candidate there i know one name that i've heard a lot is brad stevens who i think would make sense but i didn't know if you had some other names in mind he makes sense. Uh, you know, I think uh, if Doc Rivers ever wants a chance, I think he'd still get a chance. Uh, Billy Donovan is a guy who I think uh, he'd get a chance. He's coached the under-19 team a couple times, so he's well in with the program. And, uh, yeah, you know, obviously he'd be coaching the pros for a couple of years by then, so he'd have, his, uh, you know, he'd have relationships with the pro guys. So I think he's a guy to be looked at. And, uh, you know, maybe Tom Thibodeau, if he comes back into the uh, NBA game again, which I'm sure he will. He's an assistant on this team, so maybe he would also be a shot. So they're going to have uh, a lot of good choices uh, for sure. And I, I think I would imagine Pop is only a one-cycle guy anyway. As you say, given his age, I would think he would do it once and then turn it over. So uh, th- certainly all the names we mentioned there I think would, would all be on the list again. Yeah, I would think so. So, all right, Brian, this has been uh, this has been great. It's been, I'm glad glad we got a chance to run through this. I think, it, I think people who are interested in the team will – hopefully enjoy the conversation um where can where can people find your work on twitter and what stuff would you like to plug oh great i'm uh on twitter i'm uh brian c mahoney and uh a lot of uh you know i'm sure as we get toward the summer there'll be a lot more usa basketball stuff on there they're uh they're all still making their their plans uh, for what they're doing as far as camps and exhibition games and stuff like that so uh well, since we get to find that all out look forward to, to getting the word out there about it yeah, and you and Brian also being in New York. Um, in addition to covering the league, he's around the Knicks and Nets all the time. So um, keep an eye on him for that. Also, um, you can find my work at the Washington Post. You can follow me on Twitter at Tim Bontemps. Uh, please uh, subscribe to the podcast uh, and start posting up on iTunes. Um, give it a five star review. That would be great. Um, thank you to the sports digital editor at the Washington Post, Glenn Yoder, and his band, the Western States, for the themes for the podcast. Um, very cool that they have allowed us to use it um brian thanks again for the time man this has been a lot of fun and i'm looking forward to seeing you again soon hey thanks tim appreciate it